What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Thursday, October 31st. Happy Halloween. I am here with my favorite co-host, Miss Natalie Zamudio. Hey, yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Thursday. And uh, are you are you wearing a costume right now or are you keeping it... Uh... Are you keeping it plain? I mean, it, it, we're recording this week's show pretty early, so I look pretty scary, <laughs> but that's not my costume. <laughs> so it's Gabriel Gonzalez, Double G, and Natalie Z, the BFFs, going to talk to you about the BMF. What the F? It's so much fun. Uh, there's going to be so many BMF puns. Um, so we, we've talked a little bit about Halloween, Natalie. I know it is not your jam to dress up unless it's food related, which is... Not a bad, you know, very, not a bad thing to do, but I guess, what are you, what are your plans for tonight before we get into BMF? Great question. Uh, probably food related just to keep in with the theme, but I won't be wearing the food. I'll just be eating it. Um, yeah, nothing too exciting. Nobody really comes around my neighborhood for Halloween, so I don't have to worry about passing out candy and, um, yeah, that's it. The world series is over. So even though the poor Dodgers didn't make it, I'm glad the Astros didn't win. And uh, that's it. <laughs> All right, Petty LaBelle. <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I used to live in a neighborhood like that. And I remember we were like, okay, well, let's, let's pass out candy. It was like our first Halloween there. And um, it was a house that was situated. So literally like the front of the house, front door was facing like a main street, not even like into a neighborhood. And... You know, we were, it was just awkwardly set up. Like there was a business between us and the rest of the neighborhood and all that. So we didn't really have a next door residential neighbor, like a family living. It was just like, you know, place of work. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we'll do Halloween. We'll put something out. Um, and I swear we had like three kids come by all day, all night. And it was, so I was just like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this no more. <laughs> So I know what that feels like. Um, I don't know where kids go these days. I mean, I'm not mad at it, frankly. We never really opened the door for trick-or-treaters, even when I was a kid. So it's not a thing I feel sad about, but it is kind of weird. And I'm not going to lie, my street now, about two years ago, we actually had a lot of people who were very into decorating. So, you know, we'd actually, it'd actually be a street where at night, you know, you could tell some people were driving by, you know, in the cars, bringing their kids. But um, now, yeah, I'll be honest, most of those people either moved or got over it. So now it's <laughs> a little depressing, but no, it's still good. And um, last year we did candy and dude, kids go all out this season and it's a lot of fun. It's funny to see like what is actually current. Because I think that's how you know is in what do the kids want to dress up as. Like um, uh, Marshmallow, the DJ. And then he was there with a dead mouse guy. And I thought that was funny. Uh, I know a lot of kids are excited for Toy Story 4. I've been, you know, a lot of the kids that have been around my orbit, you know, the parents are saying, yeah, they're going to be Toy Story. So it's good. And for all the people listening, if you're taking your kids out or whatever, have a safe Halloween Natalie, we got a lot of MMA to talk about. Let's get into the weekend recap. The big events were the doubleheader in Bellator. Let's start with the big one. Roy McDonald, Douglas Lima, the rematch. Not as exciting as the first one. I think that's more to do with the adjustments of both fighters. 
Um, that being said, Douglas Lima really just had that weapon, and I think that Rory, I don't know what it was. I think that at the end of the day, he just had too much respect for the power after taking all the damage, and I think that Douglas Lima maybe, you know, had his spots a little better, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing that surprised me was at no point did I feel like Rory raised the output that he needed to to win that fight. I think at the end of the day, it was just Douglas leading the dance, Rory being weary of the big leg kick and everything else, and that really stifled, you know, what is usually a very, you know, multifaceted offense. So that's the big, uh, you know, victory. Douglas avenges the loss, gets the title back, wins the million dollars, wins the tournament. I mean, you can't really script it much better than that rather than getting the first-round knockout if you're Douglas Lima. Yeah, I'm with you on on, uh, on your breakdown there. It was not the most exciting fight. Rory was just seemed very hesitant the whole time, and Douglas Lima just had a little more mm, – was a little more willing to, to get in there, to close the distance, to land a shot, and so that made all the difference. Rory just kind of seemed like he was hanging back, so – Happy for Lima. That's a great, you know, redemption story there. He got the champagne sprayed on him, the check and the confetti. So, yeah, it's a great win for him. And and actually, I think it's good for the tournament for it to end uh, in a – and I guess you would call it an upset, even though they're both pretty well-matched and Lima was a former champ. So uh, I'm curious to see what Rory's next opponent will be. Obviously, it's going to take some time, I suspect, anyway, I should say. But uh, I'd like to see what they do with this division going forward. Who's next for Lima? Who's next for McDonald? So first quarter 2020 should be uh, should be interesting. Well, real quick, that was officially the last fight on Rory's Bellator contract. Um, right. I, I will say, you know, when I look at Rory's Bellator run, um, look, he probably didn't win some of the fights he really wished he would have. Um, the Gegard Mousasi fight in particular, you know, when you think about it, he only lost twice, right? Um, so to say it's some kind of, uh, what's the word, disappointing run, I think that's just, that's nonsense. That being said, you know, we knew that when he came to Bellator, is for those immediate opportunities, similar to Musasi, similar to Ryan Bader. It's the chance to do stuff that in the UFC, you probably would have had to take more fights and you would have had a longer road to the title fights and the, maybe a champ versus champ situation down the line, etc., with this now, with where Rory McDonald is at in your in his career, do you think that he stays in Bellator? Yeah, I think I think he does because if I'm thinking like, well, the UFC is not going to want him back, and I don't think he'd want to go back. And you know, he's got a family, young kids, and we've seen already, you know, Demetrius Johnson do it at one, but I think he's going to want to stay close to home and not want to be traveling so far. So yeah. I think Bellator loves him. They respect him. He's still a big name. I think he'll stick around for sure. Because I'd say for me, if he's looking for just, let's say, a three or four fight deal at this stage in his career, UFC is not as out of the question as it maybe was before. I'd assume that were he to stay in Bellator, there's a little, it's a little more lucrative short term in terms of, hey, you know, we're going to still keep you here. You're not going to be co-main eventing in Bellator. We're going to give you some big fights. We're going to headline you and other stuff like that, I feel like. So if I'm Rory, I think that that's what you're weighing your options of. But when you're talking about free agency, uh, look, the UFC was a very big part of his career. 
everyone understands why he left for Bellator, and I think that was a great decision in hindsight. But, you know, when you're talking about what's next for the guy, if he's looking to bounce around, he is a guy with still a lot of upside. And I don't see, you know, one championship either being um, out of the question. I think they'd be very interested to offer him a deal, especially when you consider they're planning to come to the United States, you know, in 2020. So I think that that's something... Um, for Douglas Lima, the thing about him, he's a veteran. He's fought so many guys. Uh, he took the trilogy with Koreshkov in the tournament. He's already beaten Lorenz Larkin, who um, Scott Coker said was next. I'm not against another fight with Lorenz, just because I feel like, similar to Paul Daly MVP, you kind of feel like if you do a rematch, they're going to have pressure to be more exciting. But I know the first fight, you know, they kind of, outsmarted each other rather than out you know outbanged each other in that fight so I think that the Lorenz fight happens especially as they figure out what is going to be next in the welterweight division because when you have two guys who've now fought pretty much everybody it is hard to get a nice fresh challenge in there yeah and it's hard to get excited for for a lot of these I mean to get as excited for a lot of these rematches so it would be cool if there's some new blood brought into the mix, but I'm not I'm not aware of any big signings coming down the, uh, the pipe there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was still a successful tournament. Still had some great moments throughout. And and we'll see what Douglas Lima does now with his belt. Is He seems like a pretty respectful dude. He's not going to be doing any trash talking or anything, but it'd be kind of cool if he, uh, if he did something – a little unexpected. Called someone out maybe from... <laughs> I'm going to get a little WWE on you, but like calling someone out from another weight class just to mix it up, you know, while we while we see what happens at this uh, at this division. Real quick, do you think Gegard Mousasi moves down to fight him like he teased earlier this year? You know what? Maybe just because he's so just like chill about everything. And so I could see him being like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's do it. Just because almost out of boredom. So that would be a fun, a fun, um, a fun matchup that kind of, yeah, feeds into what I'm, I'm looking to see something different, something exciting. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Me personally, I'm ready to see, um, more funny Musasi. And I think funny Musasi against Douglas Lima, low key, that's going to be one of the more entertaining buildups in Bellator that we've seen. Um, but yeah, so he yeah, Musasi is like, um, you know, like senioritis when you're like at the end or you just like you announce that you're quitting your job and you still have two weeks left. Like that's how that's the attitude he has. And it's really, yeah, it is really entertaining. That's a brilliant way to put it. I agree with you. So, but um, I also saw Scott Cooker was saying they're working on stuff for Ryan Bader. Uh, I imagine it's Musasi. I can't imagine anything else going on. Um, I know he said Lovato Jr., but I feel like there's just, I feel like for whatever reason, that's still a little um, on hold for, you know, stuff that hasn't been disclosed to us. So I feel like they're just trying to move it along, put Musasi against Ryan Bader. So, which isn't a bad fight either, if we're being honest. That's great. That's a great fight. Yeah. So that's it. Once again, Douglas Lima, the big winner. I mean, you it, it doesn't get much more satisfying than that. He got all the trophies and toys and souvenirs. I think that's pretty awesome. You know, who wouldn't want all that? 
But it was a stack weekend in Bellator. Let's break it down. Um, smaller stuff, and we'll close with Jake Hager. Uh, Iliata Joanne um, throttled Beck Rawlings. Beck just really came out on social media and said, I, I don't know what happened. Um, for Joanne, it was all systems go. So that was probably the biggest surprise of the weekend. That being said, I think that her list was very intriguing. She talked about it. Rowdy Beck, um, Master Valerie, obviously Valerie Lareda, who's doing the reality show right now. Um, Valerie Trouble Letourneau. I have a question about that. And then, obviously, um, the queen, Alima McFarlane. What do you think, you know, anything to say about her performance? And then, specifically, you know, the Arya Stark kill list that she's got going on. Yeah, I would say high marks for both. So she came out, she looked great. She's a, you know, Beck Rawlings is a, a veteran who did okay in MMA and at the UFC, but shined in, under the uh, the BKFC rules. And I think we all expected, as as she openly admitted, more in her return to MMA. She kind of seemed frozen. She stood, she stood there, and when she was taken down at the end of the first round. Or I should say, when Dan Mergliata stood them back up at the first uh, during the first round, she seemed already gassed. So I think mentally, she she let herself she she defeated herself mentally, and so we'll have to see what her next fight with her next fight how she looks if she can pull things together and and look more like a complete MMA fighter because she didn't really do that in this outing. So yeah, Joanne looked great against Beck Rawlings. She looked well rounded, and then the list. You know, like a Kill Bill inspired list. There, I thought it was really cool. It, you know, you could say it was cheesy, but the the, the callouts were so strong, and uh, they played it pretty straight down the line. That to me, it was very effective. I like I like both Valerie's on the list, and of course, you got to call up the champ too. So I say it's a strong first impression, and I'm excited to see what happens next. I mean, uh, I'm a Game of Thrones fan, so anytime you could pull it off successfully, I give you high marks. Um, uh, I will say, I think that someone needs to remind her that Valerie Letourneau is probably done, so she kind of gets a, you know, there's she might need to replace her with somebody if that's what she's thinking. But in all honesty, I think that this is just a huge fight. I think that that's you want some fresh blood, and especially now that Alima's getting active, um, obviously fighting Kate Jackson, and then Juliana Velasquez is still out there. Uh, having a new player call in her shot is a great thing in building the women's flyweight over there in Bellator, because I think that's what they're lacking, is just getting some people to get that momentum going in terms of the talk. That's the big one. Um, yeah. You, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, that that was just it. Um, just you know, I I like it. I like that she's getting creative. I think that's how you get people watching and talking about it. It. I was gonna just add that it definitely has um, the uh, it smacks of Eric Albarcine, you know, um, in in a good way. It's it's his uh his style of marketing, and so definitely uh I would say he had something to do with that. He's pretty crafty when it comes to have to how his fighters promote themselves. We see it with Henry Cejudo and Triple C. Not that Cejudo isn't coming up with most of that stuff on his own, but I think I think Albarcine is uh, at least very encouraging of that kind of behavior. And so, so I, I I think it was a smart move. And then as for Letourneau, I you know I wasn't aware. I guess it has been a while since she last fought. It was uh, December, right? Yep. So if if she's uh, if she's talking about maybe hanging him up, that's uh, 
I, it makes sense, but I would, you know, I would like to see a little bit more before that happens. No, I got you. I mean, obviously, it's wait and see. I'm with you, uh, Coach Eric. I, I'm pretty sure the whole team is probably telling her, hey, you need to go out there and you need to say some crazy stuff, all right, Joanny? This is how we get things done around here on the team. And, you know, my goodness, it works for them. They are making things happen over there, so I'm all for it. Uh, Patrick Mix, the Sul I always mispronounce it, and I know his submission of the year last year, the Suluev stretch, that one... Every time I see it, I don't know what hurts more, my knee or my quad, just, you know, <laughs> all those muscles and tendons cracking and popping and stretching in ways that aren't natural. So, very impressive young prospect. I just want to shout out that's, you know, low-key, that may be submission of the year if it's done by a bigger name. That's how impressive that uh, submission is. So, I just want to shout that one out. Um, I want us to move on because we've got a big show. Um, and let, definitely you could touch on the submission, but the Jake Hager thing, um, first round, several low blows. Uh, I'm going to be honest right now. When I've talked to Jake Hager, he honestly, nice guy, positive. I look in his eyes and I get the impression he means well for people. But then we have the Tombstone Jones submission controversy. Then we have a couple low blows here, and I'm like, Jake, um, what's going on, man? This is two in the row. I'm a little concerned. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say it was a, a nutty fight. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and I apologize but, um, for that. I had to do it. <laughs> I feel bad for both guys. Um, no one wants to, to walk away from a fight that ends in such a manner. We saw it with... Um, Meathead? No. What's his nickname? No, I can't remember his name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Mitrion. And um, the fine Russian gentleman whose name is escaping me. But uh, we saw that. That was disappointing. It was a main event. So that was even worse. But but I felt for Jake Hager um, standing there against the cage, asking if he could just leave already. And they're playing Papa Roach's Last Resort. You know, cut my life into pieces. And I thought that was pretty funny. Probably... Someone did not do it on purpose, but it kind of felt like it. But, you know, Garrett looked pissed when he walked away. I think he I think he said something to Hager. The commentators didn't acknowledge it, but the camera caught him looking in where I, what I think was Hager's direction and, like, uttering some, some words. It looked a little angry. Don't blame him for that. But, yeah, Hager's got to really focus now on fighting smart and clean. Like, you can't just – even though his knees were the, um, the execution, right, of throwing the knee looked good, if you're, hitting, if you're hitting the cup every other time, then you're not being precise. That's not precision, precision striking. So you got to work on it. And I think that's, like, legitimately something he needs to focus on is being accurate, looking where he's throwing, not just hurling body parts wildly. So – Feel bad for both guys, but really more for Garrett because he was injured and he was looking okay. They were they were competitive. They were going back and forth, so we'll see. Yeah, my assessment was that um I don't think that Jake was you know uh, how do I describe it best? Um, Anthony Garrett was not looking for a way out. That being said, Jake's knees didn't. Um, Part of being a pro is also, you know, avoiding making mistakes, right? And mm -hmm. maybe that comes more naturally with the experience, obviously. But 
uh, at the same time, we all saw the tape. Jake, if they're landing low, you can't put all that on the opponent. And I think that's my only thing about that. So uh, that would be my thing. I'm going to say that's an experience thing. I will say for myself, I do not believe that's a character thing. But it was, you know, one of the nuttier finishes of the night. Indeed. <laughs> oh, you're good. I, I, I like pregnant Natalie. She is very clever. She's very, <laughs> she's very punny. No, but um, obviously quite the weekend in Bellator. But that morning you had UFC action. Singapore, Damien, Maya, Ben Askren. Not as much grappling as we expected from the grappling super fight. And if anything, I felt like Ben, down the stretch, was winning the striking, which surprised me. That being said, Damian Maya gets the positions he needed to on the ground. Obviously, uh, Ben made the error. Damian Maya takes the back, and he's one of those guys. He doesn't need to hold the squeeze as long as 90% of the jiu-jitsu players in the world to get the finish, choke him out, gets the submission on Ben Askren. That is now two... Fights in a row that he's uh, come up with the L. Damian Maya, you know, one of the bigger, you know, probably the biggest victory down the stretch as he winds down his career. So big win for him. What were your thoughts on the fight? My first reaction while watching it was, damn, you know, I guess I really haven't paid much attention to Ben Askren's striking because to me it looked it looked not great. I'll just say that. I was like, wow, his his posture, his release. You know, Damian Maya and the first two rounds, at least, was, to to my eyes, winning the striking game. Just, I guess, longer time in, in the UFC forces you to, to have that aspect of your game strengthened because you can't just get away with going in for the takedowns. So I was impressed with Maya from the beginning. A little underwhelmed from uh, by Askren. And I think he kind of got owned. And in every way, the third round, he was um, he was doing better on the feet, landing, hurting Maya. Maya's face was, you know, his nose was getting red and whatnot. I think he was bleeding too. But um, it was Maya who made all the moves. Even when Askren took him down, which he did a few times, Maya eventually reversed position or, you know, was excellent in the scramble. It was, to me, it was beautiful to watch, you know, Damian Maya's performance. Askren thinks he was winning. I really don't see that. I really think if it had gone gone to the uh, to the cards to the judges, Maya would have been able to to win at least three rounds out of five, maybe four rounds. So I think it would have been him in the end anyway. But it was exciting to see that finish. It was really cool, man. Maya still Maya still got it. He's still a threat, and and it's what's crazy to me too is how quickly Askren just plummeted down the rankings. Like after he lost to. When he faced Masvidal, he was ranked fifth, and then he got dropped to five after that. And I don't know where he is now, but I think he dropped another another bit of points. So it's uh, it is it is something we're gonna with him talking about retirement and everything. I am curious to see what his next opponent's gonna be if he sticks around. You know, with Ben Askren, I think the biggest thing people kind of want to write revisionist history, and it's like, guys, respectfully. This is a guy who had already retired for a year. Um, essentially, his ability to talk, UFC felt like that was more marketable at the time than current flyweight champion Demetrius Johnson. Um, and essentially, it was like, hey, you know, it's, uh, I, I get it. Everyone's got a different business model. 
Um, there's no doubt that Ben Askren got people interested in watching him, which is obviously a big part of UFC business. Let's, you know, say it like it is. Now, with that, is he the same Ben Askren who was beating guys like Douglas Lima a couple years ago and maybe toward the end of his Bellator run a couple years ago? You know, maybe not, you know, and part of that is just, hey, you know, the quote prime years of his career, he just wasn't in the octagon. Does prime Ben Askren, you know, have better takedowns, zigs instead of zags? I don't know. But I will say this, you know, people kind of want to, like, kick the man while he's down kind of deal. I would argue that, like, look, we all knew what his style was going in. We all knew his situation going into his UFC debut now, you know, what is it, six, eight, eight months ago? I think that you have to just call it what it is and not be, you know... Like, well, what did you expect? And then it's like, well, look, it was always going to be, is Ben Askren still a high-level guy? And, you know, stylistically, let's also say like it is. The UFC, there's a big difference in competition. It is that, you know, you'd make the argument more consistently, you will face more athletic, more well-rounded competition on a nightly basis. And I think that's the only difference outside of, you know, brand power and all that compared to places like Bellator and One Championship. It's not that they don't have high-level people. It's the fact that, uh, you know, on average, you're, you know, I think a lot of people would say you're facing more elite-level competition down the board more consistently. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's obviously why there's a lot of leagues and some are bigger or smaller for whatever reason. So I think that that's the only thing we're seeing with Ben Askren. It's not that his wrestling is suddenly worse. It's about the fact that You know, he's taken on, look at that list, you know, Robbie Lawler. And we all, look how much we were hyped up for Robbie Lawler against Colby Covington. Look how we're talking about Ben Askren, sorry, not Ben Askren, about Jorge Masvidal. And then Damian Maya is Damian Maya on the ground, no matter what age and what skid he's on. So I don't think that you can talk revisionist history there. In terms of Damian Maya, obviously this is a big victory. He's on, I think, three or four fight win streak now. Uh, fantastic and if he's talking about closing it out having a bit of the retirement tour let's be honest this you know could be one of the last big ones I see him maybe fighting once or twice and then just saying look I still got my you know all the marbles are rolling around nice and clean I haven't been too hurt for too long let me call it a day I had a great run and I think that's a lot to be proud of yeah definitely and and you know, you got a title shot. You fought some of the best in your division and two divisions. I mean, let's not forget two title shots actually. Yep. At yep. one seventy and one eighty five against Anderson Silva and and Tyron Woodley. Those are like amazing accomplishments just to get there. And still looking good against a big name. And you wisely point out, yeah, he did retire. He he, he mentioned it in his interview with Helwani. And and as far as the trade goes, there's talk of you know who got the better end of the deal. But I'm going to agree with Dana White on this one and say that, you know, there are no regrets because his personality, his game, his talking game got him that got everyone hyped up for that Jorge Masvidal fight, who then delivered, uh, you know, in an extraordinary way. And now is is headlining this amazing card on Saturday. So I would say it is a win win for UFC. Askren got some money. He got more attention for the things he cares about. Probably more his wrestling, his podcast and all that stuff. So there are no losers in this uh, in this scenario, and um, 
And I guess that's that's just the takeaway. Big win for Damian Maya. Not a big loss for Askren as far as his career goes. And uh, he can he can still say he had a had a run in the UFC against tough competition. And then we'll see what he does next if he wants to stick around or not. Looking at the rankings right now, looking at the list, there's no easy fight for him whatsoever. He's now in the 13th spot. He dropped down two after Saturday. So anyone around him in that, uh, even in the in the you know 11 through through 20 ranking is still a tough fight so he probably is gonna really think long and hard about if he wants to stick around because it's gonna be a tough out no matter no matter who is next oh yeah for sure by the way remember that we always talk about what is actually deeper lightweight or welterweight um in terms of down the board the whole top 15 so uh, no shame in that let's you know let's remind ourselves what we say every week people but yeah, so I think that's just, you said it very well, that's the big takeaway. Let's get into quite a BMF-filled weekend. So I'm here with my BFF, and we're going to talk about the big what-the-F moment last week. <laughs> Nate Diaz with the USADA potential scare. Uh, Nate goes out to say, look, they're saying I'm dirty, I'm not going to be in New York um, you know, I'm a clean fighter though. Peace. I think that my, okay, let me ask you a very blunt question before I set it up for you. When you heard the news, did you think he was still going to make it to the fight? No, I didn't because we have been taught that that's what, that that, um, what doesn't happens. Happen, right? Yeah. If someone gets caught before a fight, then it's over. And uh, whether, you know, it's officially announced by USADA or UFC or, in this case, by the fighter himself. So I was like, oh, man, this fight's over. I can't believe it. This is terrible. But but then, as you will point out, things turned around. Yeah, you know what? I, I thought the same, too. We're so conditioned, and it's like, well, you know, USADA and UFC put themselves in, they painted themselves in that corner. You know, potential violation at the fight. You know, dang, that sucked. Now, you know, to address the elephant in the room, would this have happened for a prelim fighter so quickly? I would hope that now it will. I will say, I will leave it at that. Um, they obviously, you know, what was it, 24 hours later, they find, they retested his stuff, they found what it was, they found the levels of it, they confirmed it's tainted, etc., etc. I, you know, for one, um, Nate is clean. Let's leave it at that. Um, no controversy there. I think the only thing is, you know, obviously, you know, making things happen. That's a very unprecedented move. And I think that's very historic. Did it, you know, quote, change USADA and all that? Let's see how they treat the cases after this one. I'll leave it at that. But I think that just the way it unfolded was definitely crazy. I think that um, I've heard a lot of people, Helwani and them in particular, say, this was a big power move. I think that Nate getting ahead of the situation, that was such a double-edged sword that really worked out for him. He really, he got ahead of it. He kind of took any of the controversy out of it and said, look, either I'm clean or I'm dirty. Go ahead and prove it. And look, to save their big BMF event that they've hyped up so much, UFC answered the call and moved things along, made it happen. So I think overall, just a very unique case. And once again, my biggest thing is, if you're a UFC fighter, by all means, you have hope now. Like, hey, please, like, let me show you. Let me send it. It's here. 
And that's what I really hope happens. I feel like if you can genuinely prove it, let's make it happen. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I would. That's what you would hope if you were like a prelim fighter or just even like a main card number five or four fighter. But I doubt it. This is definitely a star power treatment. And, um, you know, we saw it for John Jones when they moved an entire card from California to Ve- or Vegas to California. So I don't think it will happen. I don't think anyone else besides the top people are going to get this kind of treatment. But it makes sense because there's not a lot of money on the line. If someone on the prelims card is uh, is not going to be able to fight, what I would hope at least is okay. You don't have to, you know, run around in circles to get this person cleared to fight in a day or two or a week, but you should not penalize them financially. So they should be able to still make the money they would have made and not be on the sidelines for you know an extended period of time. So I would hope that in that in this instance that this instance would create that scenario where. Even if you don't get to fight when you were supposed to, you're not punished financially. Uh, but but as far as the Nate thing goes, you know, I guess it's a power move, but I don't even think he was looking at it that way. I think for him it was pretty simple. It was just, I didn't do this, this shit, excuse my language, and I'm just going to put it out there so you guys know you deal with it. I'm not fighting. If they're, if they're, they're going to go say that I did this, I'm not fighting, period. And you guys can deal with it. I don't care about the money. And... Uh, <laughs> What blew me away was how quickly you saw to yeah, how quickly you saw to turn this around. When I was a kid, this is a boring story, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. When I was a kid, my my dog got neutered, and she was old already, and so the the vet was uh, telling us that it's gonna take a really long time for her to recover. So we catered to her, we let her sleep on the sofa, everyone was taking care of her, and then the doorbell rang, and she jumped up and started barking like a maniac, and that's when we knew that we'd been played. That she was capable of moving quickly all along, but was taking advantage of our ignorance. And that's how I feel about USADA. Like, none of us knew that they could turn stuff around this fast. It was always just assumed, accepted that that it would take weeks or months or whatever for them to test the supplement and come back and test the B sample. Oh, no, no. They can do this stuff overnight. So that is very good to know. Uh, but again, it's not going to happen for, for your Joe Schmo. It's going to be reserved for the special fighters that bring in the big bucks, and uh, which is fine. I'm glad it was resolved quickly. I mean, uh, don't act yeah. like that. I, I think Dana White likes Joe Schmo. He's always giving interviews to him. No, but, uh, <laughs> That's true. No, but um, uh, his name's not Joe. I know that, but, you know, I just wanted to point that out. Anyway, <laughs> but, um, yeah, at very great analogy great story it's true um once again i guess my thing is when they explain it it's like so you're telling me when things get moving nate overnighted his supplements from stockton to uh, utah and they got results in 24 hours that's on top of shipping and handling (laughs) okay all right okay you know i i see and i'll that's all Anyway, but yeah, quite the quite the 24 hours. I think a lot of people rightfully got a little worried there down the stretch. Um, speaking of Joe Schmo, Dana White talked with him and revealed that Paulo Costa is out with a bicep injury, out eight months if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, that really removes him from a timetable to face Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, like a lot of people expected, which raises the question. Now what happens? Now there are a lot of players in the middleweight division who 
you could argue they can kind of talk their way into that spot, but I'm going to toss it to you, Natalie. What your first reaction to the news? Second, what do you think happens in the division for the title picture? Yeah, it's a bummer to hear about the news because it would have just been a great matchup, and Paulo Costa is just such a physical specimen that you just want to see him fight. It would have been a great um, juxtaposition, right? Adesanya's tall, skinny frame versus this like hulking, bulking Brazilian. So that's a bummer that we're going to have to wait on that. But as far as what's next, I think we got to keep it keep it rolling. If Adesanya is willing to to fight in Q1 2020, if he's unless he wants more time off, which is also understandable, but if he's willing to fight, let's keep it rolling. I do like um, where your mind was heading with uh, with Jared Cannonier, scary dude. Who else is next, right? When you look at at the bookings and and um, and who's just fought and who's about to fight. I want Whitaker to rest, even though he's gotten plenty of that over the last two years, but I don't think he's ready to come back. Not interested in, in Yoel Romero, really. He didn't look so great to me against Costa. He was just kind of dancing around with his mouth open, his tongue hanging out. It was a very weird performance from my from my perspective. And 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 let's not forget, we haven't touched on it yet, but Jerry Cannonier is reportedly on the sidelines, right, on standby for, for Saturday in case – the visa issues with Darren Till proved to uh, uh, detrimental to the fight, you know, keep him out of the fight. So I think that stepping up in that way will earn him some points with the UFC. So they're probably more likely to give him a shot than they would have been even a week ago. I think that um, when I look at it, <clears throat> once again, yeah, I'm disappointed because I thought the Paulo Costa one, let's make this happen. You know, come on, let's do it. But um, with uh, the middleweight picture, uh, I mean, the front runners, I mean, it's such a weird one. I mean, by the numbers, Jared Kennanier should be next. He's the one on the win streak. He's the one who hasn't had his shot. Um, he kind of checks a lot of, the, you know, knockout artist, you know, heavy hitter. Um, I don't think he's going to back down in the promotion side of it with uh, Israel. He checks all the boxes. That being said, obviously, when you talk about pay-per-view, Israel is going to be a main event. There's, I don't, he's not going to be co-main event to a John Jones. I don't see him being co-main event to like a Habib, Tony. He's going to carry his show, right? When you're talking about a pay-per-view, getting people to buy and sell and part with their hard-earned money, open the wallet, use whatever example. You need the B-side that you can really build up. And I think at the end of the day, we see it a little bit with the BMF, believe it or not. Um, you have to have a B-side that's credible. Jorge Masvidal, before this year, no matter what he said, was never going to get a fight with Nate Diaz had he not had all these viral victories. With Jared, yes, he's winning big. Yes, he's got some good, he's on a good run. The name power, though, and getting people to say, yeah, I'm going to pay 50 bucks to watch this guy try to take Israel. That is much harder, especially we talk about it all the time. People spend more money to watch their MMA than ever before. Um, on that same token, Kelvin Gastelum is right there. If he gets the victory, I can see that. He kind of has that, you know, he has that big thing in his back pocket, the fight of the year last year with, um, or not, sorry, this year with Israel already. You know, that's an easy sell, I think. You know, they're like, hey, they're going to run it back. Everyone, I think, by now has seen it. Um, on that, by that same token of star power, Yoel Romero, I think Israel likes the idea of Yoel just for someone new, 
Um, it's a credible name. You know, unfortunately, you know, for reasons that may not seem fair, sells better than Jared. I think that that's a big factor. And then if anything, immediate rematch with Whitaker, that's not a bad option either. A lot of people love the fight, love the matchup, love the two of them, you know. So it's very tough. For my money, though, I think that... Um, <sighs> I feel like a Gastelum uh, victory, if he looks good uh, against Darren, gets him the fight. I feel like, you know, Yoel, maybe they're kind of just a little on the fence about it. But um, I'd say it's Kelvin 1, Yoel number 2 right now. And that's, you know, sorry, Jared. That, that's just, you know. <laughs> That's not my. That's not me saying what should happen. That's what I'm saying. I think will happen. Uh, I forget. I, I'm sorry. I got so ready to talk. Who did you say was your number one? Was it uh, Whitaker? Or, no, or not Whitaker. Say? I think he should chill out for a little bit. He's got to wrap his brain about around what happened, and uh, I think he's if he's gonna to face Adesanya again. I think he needs to do a lot of strategizing. So I, I wouldn't want to see that one. I actually think Jared is a fine a fine um option to find opponent you're right if gastelum looks great then hey you know what could be a fight of the year should definitely deserve you know the first one which is probably a fight of the year definitely deserves a rematch i just don't know if i want to see it so soon i feel like gastelum not that he needs another win if he gets the win tonight or saturday i wouldn't say he needs a second win to earn a title shot but i think it would be Nice to see Adesanya against someone fresh. And so I, I am kind of rooting for Jared to get that shot, but dollars make sense, and, and there's no dollars. Uh, there's not enough dollars in that in that matchup. So I hear you on that point, too. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, well, obviously we'll find out. Darren Till has a chance. He is apparently on his way to New York, so that's some good news. We'll, okay. You know, that was a big... You know, we we're about to have another W... What is it with the BMFs bringing out the WTFs, Natalie? That's just the that's just the game you play when you start uh, abbreviating everything. You know, when Nate Diaz was almost out, you know, I almost took the title for SMF. <laughs> the saddest, saddest mother alive <laughs> in the game. Yeah, I think we were all uh, we were all clamoring for that title when we, that news broke. We were all ready to take that bell home. Nope. Um, let's talk about a lot of fun BMF stuff. There's a lot of little knickknacks and everything going on for this fight. Um, I expect some interesting walkout stuff. If I'm being honest, I I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of live music maybe for this oh. one. I, I I'm gonna throw that out there. I feel like we may get something like that. Um, let me ask you a little stuff. What do you think about The Rock presenting the BMF belt? Who doesn't love The Rock? He's super charismatic. Everybody, you know, he's charming. He's got charismatic, entertaining, excellent stage presence. So it's going to be fun to see him. It's still a little weird to me because, you know, he's not an MMA guy, but who cares? Uh, it'll be fun. And this whole this whole night is a little bit off, you know, off center from, from normal UFC MMA stuff. So let's just run with it. Let's go all in on, on kind of the the kookiness of it. Yeah, you know, whatever 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 he uh, brings to the table is always interesting. So 
I think uh, it's a it's a win win there. You get a lot of extra eyeballs, which is good too. And uh, yeah, what are you thinking about The Rock? Are you excited? You know, I love The Rock. I um I remember you know when you know people feel a certain way about their politics in the last presidential election, and I think the funniest thing was like people were like, well, we got a celebrity we don't like in office. Why can't we vote for somebody a celebrity everyone likes and People were saying The Rock 2020, and I just found that hilarious that, you know, I watch, I, I still remember my favorite, probably my favorite meme of all time. They're like at the Oscars or Emmys or something. The Rock is there. They're honoring Oprah. And you see like The Rock really focused on her speech. And the caption is, when you move your ambitions from president to VP listening to Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, that, that shows. And. By the way, I mean, talk about a career. That man, when you talk about he was a WWE guy, now, you know, ballers and all this other business, Moana for crying out loud, you kidding me? Um, he's a fun celebrity to like. He makes it a lot of fun. I found a little ironic because he's going to be the Miami guy with for Jorge in Florida, but now he's just general BMF. I'm like, if Nate Diaz wins... Shouldn't we have a West Coast guy? Like, I, I was talking to somebody, and she brought up, why not Snoop Dogg put the BMF belt on Nate? And I was like, oh, my God, that would have been epic. Yeah, you're right, man. I, you're right, because it, it, it is kind of funny. It, there should be one, one a mega celebrity for each, each coast. That's, a, that's an excellent point. Like, hey, honorary corner man. Imagine The Rock and Snoop Dogg in each corner. That would be freaking hilarious, dude. That would be awesome. Like, come on, we're having fun. Let's just go all out, you know? Pull no punches. Isn't that yeah. what a real BMF does? But yeah, so uh, I, I like it. Um, what do you think his announcement's going to be? The Rock. He's apparently doing something MMA related. Well, I really don't think it's fighting, so I'm going to put that to the side. Thank you. Maybe. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be some kind of promotional, some kind of marketing thing that he's going to be the the face of something, some ambassador. I would assume it's got to be UFC related if he's doing it during their week for, you know, in anticipation of their own fight. But I can't, apart from I'm going to be the ambassador for whatever, I can't think of what else it could be. You got any thoughts? Have you heard anything? Uh, you got a scoop on it? What do I, who do you think I am? Brett Okamoto? <laughs> <laughs> No, um, you know what? Okay, for my money, if I had to guess, you know how they, you know what? I'll, I'll just say bluntly. He's going to be the new host of The Ultimate Fighter. You know how they usually have Dana doing it? The Rock is going to be there scouting talent. And he's going to be like the, the head of the house. They might still have their MMA coaches, but I think that's what they're going to do. He's going to be in some way involved in the relaunch of The Ultimate Fighter. That's my Dude. prediction. Did you just come up with that or did you hear something in the, down through the grapevine? Because that's actually pretty genius. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, you know what, what did, let's, hit, let's hit something from left field. And I think that he enjoys it. I think that he's, his talents are suited to it. Um, I have a friend who was on the Titan Games and said that it was cool being around The Rock and the show. And he was great at that. I think it's going to be a similar concept. Maybe they'll have the MMA fighters still like, the champions be coaches, right? But then I think you're going to have The Rock at the house and he's going to kind of preside over things and 
that's going to be how they relaunch it. Maybe it's a big part of Fight Pass. That's what I think. Dude, that would be great. That's a genius move by the UFC if they do it, and a genius uh, thought by you if it comes to fruition. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the winner. Let's see. Let's see what it is, but that's a winner. Or just low-key, he becomes an MMA manager, some kind of promotions, <laughs> like, hey, we're going to be working with the UFC, and I'm going to manage some guys and get them the right training and whatever, but... I, for my money, it's something reality show related, I'd say. I like it. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, good stuff. Uh, real quick, this one, you know, the, anytime you have someone of this stature attending the fights, it makes headlines. Uh, um, reportedly, President Donald Trump will be at the fight Saturday. So there is no confirmation, confirmation that he will be at UFC 245 in December for Colby. But he will be there for the BMF. What are your thoughts on that? First of all, logistically, where do you seat him? I like, <laughs> all the security and stuff. Celebrities are always in the front rows, next to the Rock. Yeah, next <laughs> to the Rock. But I mean, you know, there's gonna be, the Secret Service is gonna take up like 20 seats around him. So maybe they put him in a box. They have to, I guess, but they never show celebrities like they, they never put celebrities there. At least they never pan to them. And, and those and those seats. I have no idea. That's literally my first thought is where the heck are you going to seat the president of the United States? Uh, secondly, uh, you know, whatever I I if they just pan to him once and that's it, then fine. And, uh, you know, if he gets booed like he did at, at uh, the World Series well, I think he should not be surprised. And so he's stepping a little bit into fire there, even though New York is his, is his town, at least it used to be. It's weird. And um, it's weird, but it's not enough to put me off the fight, like not even close. I don't care enough about his presence anywhere to, <laughs> to be put off by, a, by something this amazing as the BMF title. So whatever. Here's my question. If he goes to the BMF, but he doesn't go to Vegas next month, will Colby Covington finally be at a loss for words? Yeah, maybe, because that's kind of a, you know, a real... <laughs> hey, I'm going to say it right now. I would feel betrayed. Yeah. I would be like, what? Like, dude, I, I, I mean, I... I was the man for you. I brought the belt. I wore the hat. Yeah. And you do that to me. I yeah. would feel just like betrayed. I would, that poor boy might finally be at a loss for words. I'll tell you that. I mean, he'll get the Trump sons, which you know That's, he already got before. Would you but still, yeah, would he's you gonna, still want I would it? love. Yeah, I just can't wait to hear how he's gonna spin it. You know, to explain why he didn't get the um, the president in his fight. But he you comes know, out with some Miami like Bernie twenty twenty hat. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, I just. I, I just can't imagine his... I, I can see the jaw-dropping moment for Colby if he finds out he won't be there. I'm like, man, that's... Hey, that, that, welcome to America. <laughs> yeah. No, you, but, know, um, you don't always get what you want. Yeah, I just... I found that funny. I, I just... That's why I was like, oh, man, that's, that's funnier than any other thing they'll spin with the BMF, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, but uh, now reportedly Colby and them are going to be there for a press conference tomorrow. I'm assuming he's sticking around to, you know, 
preside over BMF stuff and maybe they'll do a face-off or something, whatever. Um, so there's a good chance they will be around. Maybe Colby will be sitting with the president. Anyway. But yeah, so obviously there are a lot of fights. When it's big cards like this, we're not obviously recapping one. We're recapping a bunch or we're previewing a bunch. We're going to start from the bottom up with our big fights. Let's talk about the light heavyweight action on the prelims to get people warmed up for the pay-per-view. Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. A lot of reasons to be excited. Johnny Walker is back. The worm is healthy. The shoulder is good. Corey Anderson, though, the tough wrestler, perennial contender, been in the UFC a long time. What are your thoughts on the fight? I still cannot believe that Johnny Walker heard himself celebrating after his last victory. So I really hope... You know, I understand he's recovered, but I really hope there wasn't like some kind of permanent damage that he's always going to be a little, you know, less effective with that range of motion because of it. In any case, I also hope that he's as spectacular as he's as he's been all this time in the UFC. I hope he fights smart, though. I don't want to see him like saddled against the cage all night or gassing out like um, what was his name? Michelle Pereira, yep. that guy who was like jumping around. <laughs> doing flips i don't want to see either of those things so i but ultimately i'm excited for him to see him fight and i hope he has a, a really amazing performance so that we can get him up closer to a title shot because that's what i really want to see i mean uh, no i'm with you there there's a lot of reasons to be excited about johnny walker i still say if he were to fight john jones he would have a better walkout than israel adesanya i feel like he'll have the whole carnival coming with him down out of the tunnel I would love to see that. Corey Anderson is a very tough guy. People are forgetting. And I know he was always that guy that they were trying to... I always felt like the UFC wanted him to break through. They wanted him to break that longtime trinity of DC, Rumble, Jones. He just never got there. So, But people forget, you know, you're talking about a guy who's fought, you know, Glover Tashira. He's beaten guys like that. He's been, you know, he's been in the cage with some good dudes. That being said, I feel like the... Uh, unorthodoxness just the craziness of Johnny Walker that's a tough out the wrestling is right there and I think that that's going to be the game plan you know put the jab in his face and then just blast double wear on him drain him get him against the fence not exciting but you know the key to victory against a guy like Johnny Walker um, that being said, you know, I think we all know what we're hoping to see. I think we want to see, you know, win or lose some high flying stuff out of Johnny. And it's up to Corey Anderson. Hey, you really want John Jones. You really want to leapfrog Dominic Reyes. You got to show it that night. And if you're Johnny Walker, same thing. Dominic Reyes set the bar high. It's now these guys turn to answer. So I will say this. They are the one that people have most been looking forward to. If you're Johnny Walker, Beating Corey Anderson 2019, I think, is bigger than beating Chris Weidman 2019. That being said, you know, Dominic is on a great run. And you got to talk about, you know, being a good sell. And we've seen time and time again, sometimes, you know, a dud could really hurt that momentum, even if you get the W. So I think that's something that they will, you know, even if it's not on their mind in the fight, it is on your mind after. That's what I'll say. Uh, but real quick, who wins, Mr. Walker or Mr. Anderson? I'm going Mr. Walker, KO round one. Just going to find the opening early, set it up? Yep. I know that you know it's going to be a lot harder with an opponent like Anderson. He's craftier. 
Uh, you know, it's not going to be as easy to come by as it has been with his previous opponents, but I think he's still going to do it, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I, I would say this. Uh, Corey Anderson, hands up, chin down all night from the get-go. That being said, I do think Johnny is just going to zig instead of zag, and he's going to find his opening. I'm with you. I think he's going to get the stoppage, too. Uh, nice. First round knockout. Um, I want him to do a. I want him to be on brand. I want a somersault tomahawk knockout front flip <laughs> with the heel. You know, see him. Looks like he's out of the cage. Esther Lynn takes an awesome photo. I'm ready. But but with zero celebrating after, please just stand still. You know what? Just you know, move the feet, move the hips. Don't you know? There, there's a lot of safe dance moves. You know. Just, <laughs> You can't be six eight, six seven, and doing the worm, you know, from a standing position, Johnny. It's not, you know, it's yeah, like driving should, without a seatbelt, bro. He can do the Watusi. He can do the Batusi, if you know what that is. <laughs> I'm dating myself. He can do the sprinkler. I mean, there's so many moves. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I'm with it. I'm with it. Uh, let's talk co-main event. We obviously touched on it. Kelvin Gastelum, Darren Till. Darren is a powerhouse. Um, he uh, he's looking yoked. I do see him trying to use his physicality, really, you know, just make life miserable for Kelvin. That being said, I see the footwork, the wrestling, the boxing, the head movement being the keys. I think he can avoid a lot of the major weapons of Darren Till and on his experience in the wrestling. Uh, I think it's just an uphill battle. But how do you see the fight going down? Yeah, it's tough because because we don't know how Till's going to look. He's huge, as you say, the physicality. He clearly suffered from cutting at 170. So this could very well be the best Till we've seen in a while. But I can't forget what's happened to Rockhold and Weidman, all the older fighters, different, different circumstances, different skill sets. So I think of that. I also think about Gastelum being a former 170-er, but it's been a while now. So all that in mind. I do think Gastelum is going to make the best use of his fast one-twos and, and as you said, his footwork. But um, but really, it's just how how good will Till look? Does this visa issue that you say has been resolved, so he's on his way, but does that hold up? Or I should say, does that, um, yeah, that hold up, has that affected his weight cut at all? I don't know how much he has to cut now to get to 185. Like, is it a big cut? I have no idea. So. No, that's that's like an X factor. Like, is there any any and be any repercussions from that? If there are, then you know we could see a little bit of uh, of an edge given to Gasolum. But if not, it's going to be a pretty pretty nice back and forth, I think. And it's just a matter of who has the heavier hands, who can land first, who can last the land the bigger bomb first. And um, they have different fighting styles. You know, Till likes to do that kind of sideways stance with the hands a little bit low, which makes a perfect window and opening for Gastelum's really fast one-twos. So I see him having better luck with his style. Gastelum having better luck with his style than Till having with his. But uh, yeah, I don't want to call it yet. You tell me when. If you, uh, uh, if go you ahead, call it. go ahead. <laughs> Hit me with it. Hit me with the one-two. <laughs> I think he's going to, um, I, I should say, I don't think he'll knock Till out. But I think he's going to win. Uh, I think Gastelum can win. I think he'll win by decision. I've got Gastelum. I actually think second round TKO. I think that he's going to wrestle Till. He's going to make him think, you know, a little, you know, weary of where he's going to attack from with the boxing or with the 
wrestling, but I think that he's just going to land an opening and I think he's just going to, you know, accumulate some damage that leads to a stoppage. But I got Gastelum second round TKO. Okay, we're, we're lined up here so far. Now, I, I also, with Tilt's style, that single leg, I feel like, is going to be there all night for Gastelum. Absolutely, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Finally, we have it. It is the BMF for the BMF title. We have not seen the belt. We will apparently get that tomorrow. But we've uh, talked about it enough, so I'm going to just leave you to it. Who's getting the job done, Natalie? Oh, boy. This is like having to choose between. I'm a, I'm a pizza maniac, as you may know or not. I don't know. Oh, it's I like having it. to choose between like a, a pepperoni pizza from Domino's or a pepperoni pizza from Little Caesars. They're both good in their own ways. I love them both. And uh, I might just uh, have to take a bite from each 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 pie. But uh, ultimately, I just want to see a good fight. That being said, oh, God, this is so hard. I feel like Masvidal is a more well-rounded fighter because of his athleticism and his aggression. I think he has a stronger killer instinct. Now, they both have it. I think Masvidal is just a little nastier with it. And we all know Nate Diaz has a great chin. He took, he took some bombs from Conor McGregor. But I think the height difference in that fight, in part, is why they didn't knock him. They only knocked him down, but not out. Because just the, the trajectory of McGregor's punches having to come from a, a lower position. So it's hard to imagine Masvidal knocking out Nate Diaz, but I think he can hurt him with a, with a bomb or two. And uh, um, I'll call my shot now if you want me to, but if, uh, if you want to do your thing first, go for it. Yeah, I'll give my take. Um, yeah. I think for me, when you talk about how they fought traditionally, that stylistically it goes to Nate. Um, come forward, high output, just smothering him. Um, similar to Joanna against Michelle Watterson. Honestly, just hit him with some high volume, slip and move out of the way, use that long reach, long arms that he's known for. And he's very durable. If the Jorge lands a few, I think he's going to hang with him. Um, that being said, I think that Jorge does have more firepower. I think that if he gets that opening and he's really able to, you know, put that heat on it, he's going to hurt Nate. Um, the thing about it is that that is harder to do if you're just looking to be a BMF, stand and bang with this guy. I think that, and people aren't going to like this, but uh, Jorge needs to get on the bike a little bit, give himself a couple of feet. That way he can really get that momentum and swing on the punches, on the kicks. That's what's going to be what does the damage to Nate Diaz. If he just gets in the phone booth, not that he can't stop Nate, but I feel like that most of the time is exactly what Nate wants. That's where he does his work. That's where he makes his money. Um, so I think that if you're Jorge Masvidal, get on the bike. You're probably good. I think you're going to want to stretch it out, but you just can't get in the pocket with them. you got to accumulate this damage and you will take it on the scorecard or you will find the opening to finish. On the other side, Nate Diaz, come forward, make life miserable for Jorge. Get him against the fence and make him feel like he's being jumped in Kimbo Slice's backyard, has all those punches coming at him, can't get out of there, can't circle out, um, trying to fight back, can't seem to find the opening. Make it that kind of fight for him that's going to take all that flying knee action, explosiveness out of him. That's how the fight, you know, that's how Nate Diaz wins this one. 
I'm going to leave it to you, though. One person is going to get the job done. Who is it going to be? So before I give my prediction, I want to say I agree with your um, analysis as far as the the phone booth smothering tactic of Nate Diaz. It is very effective. We saw it against Pettis. He has this really, like, clever kind of kind of weird um, strategy with his – even though he has really long arms, when he puts you against the cage, he, like, swats at your face from the sides, and it's very effective, and it traps the, the his opponent against the cage, right? They can't get out. They're, like, trapped in between his right and left that are just, like, swatting at the face of the body. So, yes, you rightly point out if Masvidal gets caught against the cage, that's going to be trouble – Nonetheless, I'm going for Masvidal. I think he's got the power, the killer instinct. Like I said, stronger than, than Diaz is, although they're both high. I, I'm going Masvidal TKO in round four. And even though Nate Diaz has proved, proven to have a really strong chin, I, I, again, I don't think he's going to get knocked out cold, but I think he'll get finished by Masvidal. Round four, the ref's going to have to step in. I'm going to give you a little, uh, I'm going to give a little less credit. I'm going to go Jorge Masvidal, but five round decision. I think that it's just going to be, he avoided getting caught too many times. He's going to have done the damage. And at the end of it, he's just going to have outworked Nate when the 25 minutes are up. Um, I do believe it has the potential to be the fight of the night. I worry that at a certain point, they'll just have, Nate will come forward. I feel like Jorge's victory comes because maybe he picked a few safer spots rather than made the fight ugly. But I do think that it's going to be a fun fight. Um, but I just see Jorge Masvidal's power. The damage is going to accumulate enough that he's going to have been ahead on the scorecards when it's all done. Yeah, I mean, entirely possible, entirely likely. We're on the same page here with our with our last three fights, so we should put some money on it. <laughs> uh, I'm not a betting man. I'm okay. Let me ask you a question. So we're about 48 hours ish away from the fight. We're praying to the MMA gods for a good fight. Which candle are you lighting when you say your prayers? Do you light the one with Conor McGregor Jesus, with Brian Ortega Jesus, or Jorge Masvidal Jesus? Uh, the only fight, like I'm paying the pay-per-view dollars for the Jorge Masvidal Nate Diaz fight, so that's the candle I'm lighting. Saint Masvidal. You know, some people don't like this, but I ride with the one and true, the original Brian Ortega Jesus. <laughs> it's just the long hair man, I think it's like a saint. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, he just like posted another picture with his beautiful long hair, and and like when you look at photos of of jesus you know like paintings i should say not photos uh that people have made of jesus he he looks more like ortega than he does like masvidal although at some point they did start like giving him brown eyes so <laughs> have you seen um the yair rodriguez one of lighting the conor mcgregor jesus no i haven't i, I you know what i saw the the text but i didn't see the photo if, uh, if there's a photo check my twitter i know i shared it man that was hilarious it's got the music <laughs> and everything i loved it Wait, okay, we have we are in accordance. We are going Johnny Walker, Kelvin Gastelum, and Jorge Masvidal for the BMF title this Saturday. Obviously, next week we will recap everything. Next week the UFC goes back to Moscow. Zabit versus Calvin Guitar. Um, the winner. I feel like Zabit with a victory. If he doesn't get the title shot, I think that he gets Yair Rodriguez. If you're Calvin, you probably get Yair also to set yourself up for a title shot in 2020. But I think that in terms of winning it, 
I still think that uh, it's Korean Zombie against Ortega that gets it next if Korean Zombie wins for Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky. So I think that this fight next Saturday, um, fun fight. Both of them looking to really have a breakthrough. But I think that this is the one to set up the the barn burner with Yair, personally. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, it's just going to be... And good television, obviously, the whole thing. There's been quite a few changes to the card. It's going to be another fun one. We will be back next week to recap it. If you are celebrating Halloween, if you're taking your kids, if you're going out to party, be safe, have fun, make sure that costume looks good. Natalie, where can fans find you to keep up with you for the fights? On Twitter at NatalieZamudio underscore. And yes, happy Halloween. Check your candy. Make sure it's safe. Oh, it's always got to. <laughs> and guys, you can find me all the time, Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.